Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> Podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 63 of She Talks Peace. I am Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, greeting you from Manila. You know, guys, um, October 31 is an important uh, day for women peace builders and the peace building community. On October 31, in the year 2000, the United Nations Security Council unanimously passed Resolution 1325 supporting the Women, Peace, and Security Agenda. Now, people now call it 1325 and the WPS Agenda. And you know how this became possible? Well, there was a very strong global coalition, a strong global constituency of women, civil society organizations, who for decades and decades had been striving to be part of peacemaking, of making the community safe, of supporting a strong foundation for a just, lasting, and sustainable peace. And later, they were joined by a diverse coalition of UN member states who finally saw the value that women bring to the peace process. 1325 looked at the impact of conflict, of armed conflict, on women and women's contribution to conflict resolution and sustainable peace. When you look at what's going on in the world today, when you look at what's happening to young girls and women in Iran, to women in Myanmar, to women in the Middle East, in North Africa, you realize that although the Security Council of the United Nations passed 1325 unanimously, there are still many governments who are not fully behind women, peace, and security. Luckily, here in ASEAN, 
the Philippines was the first to establish and implement a national action plan on women, peace, and security. And we were followed by Indonesia. And uh, today, the Association for Southeast Asian Nations, or ASEAN, which has issued a statement in 2017 supporting WPS, is finally drafting a regional plan of action on women, peace, and security. And we are so excited about this because the leaders of ASEAN will have a summit next month. And we are extremely hopeful that the leaders will approve the regional plan of action. And of course, our congratulations and kudos go to the government of Cambodia, who is the chair of ASEAN this year. And it looks like Cambodia is determined to have the Regional Plan of Action on Women, Peace, and Security approved at the Leaders' Summit. So we are quite excited about these developments, especially since in ASEAN, there are 10 member states. There are 10 countries, and only two have national action plans. Now, women and civil society organizations in the other eight countries would like to have better implementation of the Women, Peace, and Security agenda and would love to have their own national action plans. So perhaps with this ASEAN Regional Plan of Action, the other eight countries may finally be on the road to the formulation and implementation of their own national action plans. We need it so much in in ASEAN, as we do in the rest of the world. Because um, if you've been following the news, what's happening to women in the southern Thailand, for instance, uh, in the uh, conflict-affected uh, areas of Myanmar, um, you know, even if Timor-Leste is not yet part of ASEAN, what's happening to uh, women in uh, Timor-Leste, the former combatants in, uh, in Aceh. I mean, all of this show us the need for having more government support for the role of women builders. Today, I thought it would be interesting to have a conversation with young women and see what they think about the role of women in conflict resolution, in peace building, um, governance perhaps, and what they think about the Women, Peace, and Security agenda and what they hope their government would do uh, about it. So I am joined today by three young women who are fresh graduates of AB Diplomacy and International Relations from the Ateneo de Manila University. First, uh, let me introduce uh, Bits Alcibar, whom you've already met before in episode 58. Bits has a passion for upholding human rights in the Philippines and is looking to pursue a career in political journalism 
or international human rights development. Hi, Bits. Welcome. Hi, Ma'am Amina. Hi, everyone. Next, we have Linar Orbista. Linar, who aspires to be a diplomat, has been involved in advocacies for quality education, sustainable cities and communities, climate change, equitable development, and good governance. Welcome, Linar. Hi, Mom Amina, and hello to all our listeners. Hello, hello. And finally, we have Yara Poliarco. Yara currently teaches social studies in a high school. She also does some work providing training and education for parents. She aspires to be a public servant. And let me tell you, as a teacher, she's already on the first big step. Hi, Yara. Hi, Mom Amina. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. So, ladies, young ladies, you all know that today is a very special uh, episode because um, on October 31, we will be celebrating or commemorating. I mean, sometimes you cannot even say celebrate, really, because uh, uh, 1325 is not as well uh, supported in most governments. Um, so it will be the 22nd anniversary of United Nations Security Resolution's adoption of uh, 1325 on women, peace, and security. And you know very well that it's a landmark resolution, the first formal and legal document from the male-dominated Security Council, which requires parties in a conflict to prevent violations of women's rights, to support women's participation in peace negotiations and in reconstruction, and to protect women and girls from wartime sexual violence. Now, I know that you've been watching the news because the three of you, uh, your background in school, I think makes this uh, inherent in you, right, to follow what's going on internationally. And you know that uh, young girls, young women, even old women, are really suffering a lot at the hands, most of the time, from their own governments. So let me pick your, your brains uh, this afternoon. Tell me first, when you were still studying at the Ateneo, did you know much about the women, peace, and the security agenda? Linar, let me start with you. Actually, mom, that's a good question. And to be honest, um, not really. We don't know much about um, the UNSCR 1325. And now looking back, even in our um, human security class, yeah. I realized that we weren't able to discuss um, the resolution. Even in our um, international human rights class, I don't think um, we were able to tackle it. Yes, we were able to discuss, for example, um, the, the Convention on the Protection for the Rights of Women. Um, but I guess about UNSCR 1325, not really. And even WPS, ma'am, I don't think we were able to discuss it. 
that's uh, that's quite interesting, considering the fact that the Philippines is conflict affected. You have got the uh, the, the problems with the Muslim uh, Liberation Front in the south. You have the problems with the New People's Army all over the the country. So bits. What do you think? I mean, when you were studying in uh, in Ateneo. Uh, did you have the same experience? And do you think that perhaps Ateneo should have included that in your curriculum? Yeah, we actually do have the same experience because uh, Linar, Yara, and I are from the same batch. And we actually took a lot of the same classes together. So, yeah, we had um, human security. We didn't really tackle women, peace, and security there. Um, but I was actually telling uh, Linar and Yara earlier that I noticed the political science department in Ateneo, which we're from, uh, is holding a webinar soon about ASEAN and women, peace and security. So I don't know if they've uh, integrated it into their curricula already, but at least there's something there. At least, you know, they're kind of letting the students know about it. Unlike us, where we're like, hold on, why didn't they teach us anything about women, peace and security in our time? At least students now can be familiar with it a little bit. How about you, Yara? What do you know? Uh, or at least when uh, you were a student, what did you know about the Women, Peace, and Security agenda? Uh, okay, now, um, my different, my experience was quite different from theirs because uh, in Ateneo, we have this course or called NSTP or Big Kiss. And you get assigned to partner with organizations uh, so that uh, you do work for them or uh, be exposed to uh, development work. And I was partnered with YWL or Young Women Leaders for Peace. And uh, we were assigned, our group was assigned to make uh, or to edit their portfolio, which they'll submit to uh, other pertinent uh, stakeholders such as UN instrumentalities. And that, while I was editing that uh, portfolio, I was able to uh, read about basic information about UNSCR 1325 and what uh, WPS is and uh, alongside YPS or Youth Peace and Security. So I read about their initiatives, their um, uh, their community discussions here in the Philippines and the Bangsamoro, for example, and their uh, efforts to and their campaigns to promote um, expression of women, especially in times of uh, conflict and in times of decision making. Yeah, that's good. That, that, that's really good to know. Now let me let me ask you because I know the three of you do not come from conflict affected communities. And in ASEAN, in the countries that are stable and don't really have that uh, you know armed uh, conflict as as a security problem, do you think that the women peace and security agenda is relevant? to communities uh, in the Philippines, even if they are not affected by armed conflict? Let's start with Bits. What do you think, Bits? Uh, yeah, I think it actually is still relevant because women, peace, and security touches a lot on issues of conflict prevention, right? And I think yes. that's something we can all uh, keep in mind even in our daily lives even if we're not at war it'll always be good to take the extra precautions to make sure that we're preventing it from happening in the first place you know prevention is better than cure as we always say so i think it is relevant like for example in indonesia as we learned with uh 
Ayu uh, a few weeks back. She works a lot in preventing conflict. And I think that's really important for a lot of us, even if, you know, even if we're not in conflict areas yet, we should know what conflict looks like. We should know that we should do everything in our power to make sure it doesn't escalate into conflict. Yeah, I'm sure that you've also been following the developments, for instance, in the United States. Who knew you could have a situation like January 6, where citizens actually becomes an armed mob and storms their own capital. And now that their midterm elections is going to be in a couple of weeks, they're talking about more violence. So, yeah, I, I, I get it that even if you don't have a situation of armed conflict in, in your own uh, country, that perhaps your government should support WPS a little bit more. How about you, Lina? Are you agree? Yes, ma'am. I definitely agree. And for me, I, I think it's important for us to also recognize that security issues right now are also transboundary. Like we have, for example, the, the non-traditional security issues like climate change. Um, it's a transboundary issue that doesn't only affect, um, for example, a certain country. Like, for example, in um, Bangkok, they're not only affected by that, but, but the whole region. And I guess, ma'am, I think that's also why it's important that we have the regional plan. It's because most of the security issues doesn't only stay within one particular um, border. It really affects um, the whole region. And I mean, not only the whole region, let's just look at the situation in Ukraine and Russia. And we have been hearing um, in, uh, in the news that um, the situation in Ukraine and Russia actually affected um, prices here in the Philippines. So. I guess that's that's why for me that government, even if um relatively peaceful, I guess the um their their country is relatively peaceful, should definitely still support um efforts on the WPS ball. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm glad you mentioned uh, Ukraine and the fact that what happens in a country thousands of miles away or thousands of kilometers away really finds its way to influence us. Uh, us here. And Yara, you're the one who's teaching young people right now. And I'm sure that you've also been following, for instance, what's happening in Afghanistan, where young girls are prevented from uh, going to school when young girls as, as, uh, as young as eight are promised in marriage to old men just so they could survive so that their families can survive. But, you know, those are conflict-affected areas. So do you think, Yara, that uh, the WPS agenda has value in uh, communities like ours, especially when you're talking about your students, your young girls? Uh, yes, of course, ma'am. No. Uh, there's sometimes that notion that peace building or the peace process is limited, say, in the negotiation table or like in the battleground. But what we learn from She Talks Peace, you know, from the episodes that we see, is that uh, negotiation and making deals and agreements, it's just one front or one phase of the peace-building process. But it consists of many working parts. So for example, we have shifting and challenging norms. Like the rise of extremist movements is, is what happens when uh, ideologies go unchecked. 
when norms aren't challenged and they're just left alone. So that's important. Uh, awareness raising is important. Like, how did we know about Afghanistan? How did we know about Myanmar? How did we know about Iran? It's because of these brave women there who take the fight to social media. And us here in non-conflict-ridden areas where we don't have as much restriction on our freedom of expression, we can amplify those voices. We can amplify that this is what's happening in these areas. So that's one thing we can do. And like what you said, Mama, education. Like as part of the education sector, uh, I think molding minds, inculcating uh, the WPS agenda in education is really important because if we don't know what WPS is, if we don't know the value of women in the peace building process, then how would we normalize having women in the actual table? And lastly, one common theme that I also learned from the podcast, that another phase of peace building is economic empowerment and rehabilitation. Like post-conflict, how do the women recover? How do these communities recover? And I think these are really valuable fronts or valuable facets of the peacemaking process, which we, in non-conflict-ridden uh, areas, can take part of. Let's let's talk a little bit about the the value of the WPS agenda in in communities in countries that are not um, affected by armed conflict. Countries like Malaysia, for instance, or Singapore, or Brunei. <laughs> Brunei really is keeping itself isolated in uh, in many ways. So you guys have been. Um, I participated in uh, a couple of uh, consultations with civil society organizations, and some uh, of the participants came from from these countries. And do you remember where they talk about why uh, the WPS agenda is also important, even if they don't have armed conflict? Um, one uh, participant from Malaysia was uh, was talking about inequality. Uh, racial inequality, income inequality, gender, and the LGBTQ uh, issues, and how we need a platform, we need um, a government program that can uh, sort of stem, no? neutralize potential conflict, something that... Um, uh, we had earlier talked about. So, what's your take about what this uh, our, our sisters from uh, Malaysia and uh, and the other countries um, are saying? What can WPS do to prevent? For hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Instance conflict in non-conflict affected areas in, uh, in the Philippines. Bits, what do you think? Okay, so I guess since you touched on... Uh, Uh, financial inequality and also Miara brought up uh, economic post post conflict economic empowerment of women. I think that's something that WPS can touch on when it comes to non conflict affected areas. Because uh, one of my most surprising takeaways about the uh, about WPS after having listened to the podcast is the importance of women's economic empowerment because it's not something that a lot of people think about when they hear WPS. You're more likely to think about women in peace processes and the protection of women from GBV. But a lot of episodes have pointed out, like um, last week's episode with Ruth um, and also It Takes a Village, that episode, and even our episode with Aika Robredo, they talked about how underrated um, economic empowerment and financial independence for women and for everyone is in preventing conflict. So I guess there's value in that preventing inequality itself in these non-conflict affected areas, economic inequality, racial inequality is a part of WPS. It's, it's something that WPS can help address in these areas to prevent conflict from escalating. What about you, Linar? What do you think it would be the value of uh, WPS to a relatively peaceful community of Luzon and, and the Visayas? Honestly, ma'am, um, we have this notion that prevention is better than cure. And I honestly agree with that. Um, I think the, it's very important to understand that the work of peace building is not something you learn it, overnight. It, it really takes a lot of capacity building training. It takes a lot of, um, I guess, um, it's something you also study. It's something that you hone. Peace building is not something that you can do at the stop of your finger. So I guess, ma'am, for, for um, countries wherein um, it's relatively peaceful, I guess that's the value of WPS. Um, it, it really shows you, it teaches you to actually pay attention on on the capacity building, on training women in advance, that um, that we prepare in advance, that we don't wait for, 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 for the problem, for the conflict to happen. And I guess, ma'am, that's the um, importance also of um, the WPS. Um, also, for example, of, um, if we have the ASEAN WPS, which you mentioned earlier, um, it really forces us to come up with a network of women peace builders. And I guess that's something that is very important for, for women peace builders to have a network. So for example, ma'am, um, if you come from a, a relatively peaceful um, country, how do you support those who are already in conflict? So you can, you can help with capacity building or if not, provide funding. Um, because I think it's been mentioned in a lot of our episodes that um, one of the issues really um, in, in, in the peace building efforts is really getting funding. So I guess, mom, at the end of the day, um, the work of peace building is, is not, is not some, is not um, exclusive or to those who are 
suffering from conflict or going through conflict. But rather, it's it's a work of a whole whole network of peace builders, be it you are from a relatively peaceful country or not. Yeah, I, I must say the two of you, Bits and Linar, make a very strong argument for prevention, prevention, prevention being uh, more important. An ounce of prevention is better than uh, a pound of cure. Yara, uh, specific to young people. We know very well that um, there's a lot of recruitment going on in the cyberspace, right? Internet, uh, extremist groups, whether it's political extremism, religious extremism, whatever. But And they're targeting young people. So what do you think about the, the impact of, uh, of WPS on, on young people as they face this, this new threat? coming from cyberspace? Well, I think, ma'am, no, like, uh, WPS acknowledges um, that this is not just a hardcore traditional security issue. Uh, I think the word, one word I learned from, uh, one word I learned from college in our gender studies is the term intersectionality. And mm-hmm. when we say intersectionality, it's not just one facet, no. So, Women are more vulnerable, not just because of their gender, but they are also made vulnerable because of their race, their economic status, for example, mm-hmm. their level of education, their religion, their religious beliefs. And all these vulnerabilities compounded make them more subject to conflict or make them more subject to discrimination or cruelty. And when it comes to the cyberspace, uh, there's also added factors of discrimination. When, uh, for example, you're uh, religious beliefs online are not part of the mainstream or if you lack education you're more a subject to fake news or to disinformation if you lack economic status you're at the same way and if you're you know if your race isn't if you're if you aren't white if you aren't uh part of what are more mainstream races or something um you will not be heard your cries would be put on the side as we can see with other Middle Eastern countries, they do not receive the same attention. They do not receive the same urgency as those of Western countries. And because of that, uh, the attention, uh, it, extremism, is it given much attention? I think the WPS agenda, when it acknowledges that kind of intersectionality, it diverts focus towards uh, that those issues and highlights that. And as it said, no. Uh, helps achieve gender equality. And there's actually been research that countries that have that are more gender inclusive and gender equality actually uh, avoid more conflict. So I take it that the three of you would like uh, the leadership in this country to be similar to what you find in like New Zealand, Finland. Yes. Hopefully. Let women lead. Yes. Which would you guys prefer? Uh, going to uh, being being a, a resident of Finland or New Zealand? Or which which of the women led countries do you particularly like? I'd go for New Zealand now. New, New Zealand. Zealand too. Same here. I know. I know why. Does it have anything to do with the, the trilogy of the rings and, and the Hobbit? Oh my god! <laughs> Partly. <laughs> Partly. 
and they have good milk. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. How about you, Lina? Which country would you choose? New Zealand as well, ma'am. <laughs> I'll be I'll be joining you all there. <laughs> you know what? I think we have to we have to invite the New Zealand ambassador and and uh, you know share your thoughts, and then maybe we can organize a workshop and and go to New Zealand, preferably in Hobbiton. <laughs> but uh, now let's go to this exciting news coming from ASEAN. Um, ASEAN is going to have a regional plan of action on women, peace, and security. And we really have to thank uh, UN Women, uh, the Canadian government, because they are supporting the drafting of the regional plan of action, uh, which is being done by the ASEAN Committee on Women and uh, the ACWC, the ASEAN Commission on the uh, the Rights, I think, no, of uh, women and um, and children. If you were in the drafting committee, what specific uh, support would you like to see governments uh, provide um, for women, peace, and security and for the role of uh, women peace builders? Miara, let's start with you. Um, I think, ma'am, aside from you know including more women, it's making sure that they just don't have a seat in the table. They have a say in the table, like their words are actually enforcing that they are heard. And another one I think, ma'am, is capacity building. I think it's one She Talks Peace episode with Mom Sok Reyes na she said na I'd rather have a male leader who actually cares about the women agenda than have a woman leader there who's not sufficiently trained about the WPS agenda. Because it's no use putting a woman leader there if they're not trained or if they're not well equipped with... Uh, what the WPS agenda stands for. So I think we must hone female leaders especially to be competitive enough to have a seat at that table and deserve that seat at that table. I mean, not them being a woman already got, or already merits them a seat, but it'll be better if they're much more uh, competitive and competent. Yep, I agree with you. You remember that um, episode we had about um, what former president, the late president Fidel Ramos had done I mean, this is a military guy, very, very macho. But when we, you look at what he had done to support the empowerment of women, to support women's rights, he had done a lot more than uh, national women leaders of, uh, of our country. How about you, Bits? I think a great way for the government, for governments to support the WPS agenda is to help mainstream it. Um, and I, an idea that I had for that was for them to integrated into school curricula to teach children what WPS is. And if and if that's too too wild for them, if that's too <laughs> if that's too much. And peace education at the very least is something that we should all learn in schools. Cause can you imagine me, Miara, and Lenar, we graduated with our degrees in diplomacy and international relations without having known anything about the WPS agenda. That's kind of that's wild. So I think that's <laughs> Schools, especially here in the Philippines, actually should start teaching peace education, women, peace and security, especially since we're like a pioneer in um, WPS. I think the Philippines should work towards becoming a bastion for peace education in the region. I think that would be really cool. I couldn't agree with you more. How about you, Linar? Um, honestly, I think my first recommendation 
or if I'm part of the drafting committee, I would make sure that um funding is available for women peace builders or financial support for them is there. Um, I know that you've been mentioning this, ma'am, in um a lot of our episodes that um there's a story about um a woman who said who mentioned that how can I go to these um capacity building trainings if I don't have um the money for a tuk-tuk for for a tricycle ride. So I guess that's really true, ma'am. So um at the end of the day, women's economic empowerment is very important. That part and parcel of their participation in peace building efforts would actually be um would 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 be um would be based on their economic empowerment or their financial capacity. And second, ma'am, aside from that, I guess I would make sure that young women are included in 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 all of the efforts, be it in school, be it on the ground, grass grassroots level. I would make sure that um youth organizations are consulted and even asked to participate in the implementation of the regional plan of action. Yeah, and it, we're we're lucky in the Philippines because our government has actually um come up already with with the youth peace and security plan and uh, the links between the YPS plan and the women peace and security plan has been uh, embedded from from the very beginning so uh, kudos to to the Philippine government now if only government is really going to implement these uh, two plans that would be fantastic. And I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and my rose-colored eyeglasses uh, on, even when I'm sleeping. <laughs> now, finally, uh, ladies, um, we're, we're going to be commemorating the 22nd anniversary of uh, UNSCR 1325. What would your message be to our listeners, to young men and women, senior citizen, male and, and female, what would your message be to them about HCR 1325 and the Women, Peace and Security Agenda? Miara, let's start with you. I think, ma'am, especially in these times, you know, when hope seems so bleak, or like so much things happening around us and it's easy to get overwhelmed. Uh, it reminds me of that uh, one song from uh, a musical, uh, a piece of lyric when it says, when hope, though hope is frail, it's hard to kill. Uh, we just keep hoping, we just keep doing, we just keep making steps. And a lot of people might say, na, oh, a regional plan of action will be nothing. It'll just be a piece of paper. Or the UNSCR is nothing, it's just a piece of paper. But what's important is we take these steps, we take these small steps, it's better than nothing, it's better than not acting at all. And sometimes the problems of the world seem too big for us to handle, especially us with having young shoulders. But we look back and we see how far we've come. And we see how much there is more to do, but we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. And I think the best we can do is you you cannot always change the world, but you can change the world from the little corner of which from which you stand. That small sphere of influence that you can. So we just keep working, we just keep acting because we never know how much 
our ripples would reach and really ma'am uh it may it might seem that our actions seem nothing but the only thing that evil prevails is that when good men do nothing at all so i think just keep working and never lose faith even if it's hard especially in a country like ours so where we go uh two steps forward and uh five steps back but we just keep working keep uh, keeping the faith never give up my mother always said uh success is only 1% inspiration it's 99% perspiration how about you linar what would your message be my message is very simple mom i guess do not take peace for granted you or we here are so lucky that we have the time to have this conversation or our listeners are very lucky that they are in a peaceful enough place to be able to listen to us and i guess ma'am as someone who lives in luzon that's one thing i realize um i've been taking peace for granted so i guess at the end of the day i hope we get involved um if we have an episode where um someone is advocating to bang pants <laughs> um maybe we can do that um it, it doesn't have to be um our gestures doesn't have to be grand to to partake in peace building efforts to 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 help our um to help those who are in conflict ridden areas and i guess ma'am yeah i guess do not take peace for granted um be involved know what is happening in other countries and um i guess support the peace builders in whatever way you can yeah <laughs> linar that's uh, yuyun uh yuyun is the indonesian representative to the uh, asean institute a commission for human rights um iter i think she's been banging that pot at 8 pm every day I think it's more than 600 days now and she's not giving up. She's going to continue to bang that pot of hers every day. How about you, Bits? What's your message? All right. So for everyone listening out there, whether you're young or old, I guess just talk about women peace and security. Talk about the agenda, talk about the movement. It's time for us to bring the movement to the fore. to ma- really mainstream it. So we have to talk about women peace and security and make the WPS agenda a household name, make it a dinner topic because we really need to do our part to making sure that our societies can internalize its values um until we have to talk about it until we really believe in and internalize the desire to lift women up in the hopes of preventing and countering and ending conflict wherever we are. So yeah, talk, tweet, story it, post it on social media, do whatever you can to get the word out that women peace and security is an is an is an important agenda. Yes. That's a great idea, bits. Maybe our listeners can all tweet, uh, do a TikTok message, uh, uh go send a viber post a messenger post on october 31 and uh, support us support the uh, un uh, security resolution 1325 and call on governments to 
really promote and implement the women peace and the security agenda. So, Bits, Miara, Linar, thank you so much for joining me in this conversation. This has been a really uh, fun, uh, interesting, and stimulating uh, conversation on uh, women peace builders and uh, the women peace and security agenda. And I hope, dear listeners, that um, you agree with uh, with what our young ladies have uh, said. And if you don't, or you have better ideas, then do email us and email us at shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. Let me repeat that. Shetalkspeacepodcast at gmail.com. So thanks so much, Bix, Miara, and uh, Linar. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us. And let's commemorate October 31 and hope that our governments will support the role of women in peace building, the role of women in economic development, in business, in governance. Because apart from the fact that women hold up half of the sky, without women, I doubt very much that you're going to have peace anywhere in the globe. So thank you, Bits, Linar, and Miara. Thank you, dear listeners. And see you again soon when we have another interesting episode on She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.